0: Good morning. Good morning. It is wonderful to have each and every one of you here. Please turn to me, with, with me to your red hymnals, number 549, and we'll sing the doxology together. Number 549 in your red hymnals, and we'll sing the doxology together. is found in the Red Hymnal, number 696. Do not let anyone deceive you with foolish words. It is because of these very things that God's wrath will come upon those who do not obey Him. So have nothing at all to do with such people. You yourselves used to be in the darkness, but since you have become the Lord's people, you are now in the light. So you must live like people who belong to the light. For it is the light that brings a rich harvest of every kind of goodness, righteousness, and truth. Try to learn what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with people who do worthless things that belong to the darkness. Instead, bring these out to the light. And when all things are brought out to the light, then their true nature is clearly revealed. For anything that is clearly revealed becomes light. That is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon you. Amen. Our first hymn this morning is number 48, O oh for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Hymn number 48. Gracious God, we're so glad that you have brought all of us here this morning to come and worship you. And Lord, it is good that we heeded the, the call of your spirit to come and worship this morning. And God, as we heed that call, we open up our hearts and minds to the things that you want us to hear and to think about and to display in our lives. And Lord, as we come before you with the needs and requests in our lives, God, we are doing those things right now. We are showing you the concerns that we have in our lives. Lord, we also are hearing patiently as you provide guidance to us in our requests. And we'd ask that the presence of your spirit be always with us to remind us that you have never left us and that you have never forsaken us. And Lord, even though that we may be struggling with things this morning, God, we still come to worship you because we want to experience you in our lives in a very special way this morning. And God, it is not that we don't experience you in different ways, but there's something about coming to worship with others that just reminds us of how important you are in our lives. And so God, we are doing that right now. Lord, we think of the needs of family members and of friends, the needs of fellow employees, the needs of fellow patients, the needs of family members that are here at this medical center. Lord, we lift them up to you right now. We would ask God that all of those that are involved in the care and the treatment of our patients, Lord, will do the best that they possibly can and that they will provide that extra love and compassion that needs to be exercised, that so many in our lives want to see. And we need to be shown that. And God, remind us of that. Lord, we think of the needs of other things that you've called to mind, things that we have experienced this past week, people that we have met, things that we have seen in the news. Lord, we lift up those circumstances to you in prayer right now. We'd ask that you would intercede according to your will and according to your purpose. And God, as we continue to worship you, we are so thankful that you taught us to pray by saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for praying with me and worshiping with me this morning. Our next hymn is number eight, To God Be the Glory. Hymn number eight in our red hymnal, To God Be the Glory. reading this morning is found in the book of Romans, chapter 13, beginning with verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding, except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law, the commandments. You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And through this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious God, we are so thankful that we have had this blessed time of worship thus far. We appreciate the relationships that we have with each other, the smiles that we have shared already this morning the prayers that we have said together, the hymns that we have sung, the scriptures that we have read. And Lord, I would just ask that continuation of your spirit of worship and that you would help me now say the things that we all need to hear as an act of worship. In Christ's name, amen. Well I don't know if you see the signs around here or maybe you're out in the community and you see these different signs reminding you to go and get your flu shot. So how many here have not gotten their flu shot yet? Now that's not meant as a guilt trip, okay? But we see that everywhere we go to go and get your flu shot. In fact, because I am still serving in the Army National Guard here in the state of Arizona, we actually have a prerequisite, and every, every time we stand in front of formation, the first sergeant comes out, and he calls out the names of those who have not had their flu shot yet. So all of us work very diligently to get our names off that list, because if you've ever served in the Army, you don't want to be on one of those lists that ding you know, for everything. I mean, the following people haven't completed the following task, So you don't want to be on that list. In fact, you want to be on that short list where you've completed everything. But we even have signs here at the medical center to go and get your flu shot. When you go to the different pharmacies and drugstores in the area, they remind you to go and get your flu shot. When you go to even some of the retail stores, there's a reminder for you to go and get your flu shot. With the hopes that if you get a flu shot, it will give you a sense of protection or at least some kind of shield that if you come in contact with certain types of viruses of the flu, that you will not get it. It does not mean that you will be totally prevented from getting the flu because there are so many different types of viruses uh, that are called flu. But it's always a good idea if you want to, to go and get your flu shot. In fact, uh, my wife and I were having this conversation because she went and got her flu shot and she's over the age requirement where you can no longer get the mist, but you actually have to give the shot. And I kept on telling her that you need to get the shot and not the mist, and she was telling me, well, the people say I can just do the mist. And I said, well, you can't because you're over a certain age and you gotta get the shot, right? So finally, she went up to the lady and she filled out the questionnaire and the lady reviewed the questionnaire and they said, oh, you're over that specific age, and so you have to get the shot and not the mist. But you don't look like it. That's right. So my wife appreciated that compliment. Now, me, they already know that I'm over the, lit, the, over the age. So They don't, they don't even ask, to, ask that about me. But Mom got a compliment, and my wife got a compliment, but she needed to get the flu shot because they think it provides some kind of protective shield, and it does to a certain extent that it will help prevent you from getting certain types of viruses of the flu. The scriptures that we have read this morning reminds us that in our lives, that we have a shield that protects us, the armor of light of Christ that is in our lives. And that shield of protection comes down to the premise about how we exercise one thing, and that is love. Love within our lives. Now, love comes in different forms and different fashions, but the love that they're talking about is the love in which we exercise to one another compassion as we interact with one another in our interpersonal relationships that we have with each other. The love that we want to be shown in our lives from others in the same way Christ reminds us to demonstrate that love to each other. And in doing so, we fulfill the main law that sums up all the other laws within the Ten Commandments, that if we love our neighbor as ourselves, we would be exercising and putting into practice the whole idea of what all the other commandments represent. And that is a protective shield for us spiritually. Because each and every one of us have different challenges that we face on a regular basis. We go out and face different flu viruses that attack our spiritual life on a daily basis. It can be sometimes ourselves, because more times than not, ourselves is our worst enemy in terms of the things that we're trying to do and accomplish. We get in the way of the things that we know that we should be doing. And so the concept of love is there to, not only to exercise it to others, but to exercise it to ourselves. I firmly believe that we need to give ourselves a break in the same way that we are to exercise love and to give breaks to others. Because we are, if you will, our worst advocate for us. Because we condemn ourselves. We walk a fine line in which we claim that we are guilty about so many things that we have done in our lives. And yet we won't exercise that same love and compassion for ourselves. But yet the Word of God reminds us this morning that we are to do that. That we are to love others. And that means that we are to love ourselves. Because how can we love our neighbors as ourselves if we do not love ourselves the way God loves us? So we need to exercise that for ourselves. And it is a debt that is an ongoing debt to show and to demonstrate that love to ourselves and to each other. It doesn't mean that you create this Humongous narcissistic personality about yourself that you are far better than others and that you exercise a self-righteous judgment on others that you come in contact with. On the contrary, when we truly love ourselves the way that God wants us to love ourselves, the way that He loves us, we exercise love in a very humble and compassionate way. We exercise love in such a way that It is not narcissistic. It's not a personality flaw. We exercise that love in the same way that Christ loves us. The love that demonstrates a selfless service to one another. A love that demonstrates unselfishness to somebody else. Now we have a long way to go. I have a long way to go to get there. But you know, love is something that is not just a noble idea. It is something in which we need to put in practice and exercise every day. And you and I will never meet the perfect example of love, but it doesn't mean that we don't continue to try to get there. It doesn't mean that we don't try to continue to live in that idea to fulfill that commandment of the law, to love each other. Because it is possible in the presence of God. It is possible to do so in the light of God. It is possible to do so in the shield of His love that is there to protect us from all of those other viruses that attack us. The attitudes that we have about certain things in our own lives, the attitudes of others... If you think about the concept of love, and when you try to exercise it, even today, there just seems to be all these viruses that want to attack it. I know that when I was coming here this morning, I was trying to have the best possible attitude that I could possibly have. I came into the office, I was annoyed by some things that weren't done, I checked my emails, which was another mistake, and I was even more annoyed. And I found myself, you know what, I'm not going to let these little viruses affect me and attack me. I'm going to continue to love and to demonstrate the love that I best possibly can. And when I was examining that whole idea, I found myself getting in the way. Because there were certain things that were not going the way that I wanted them to, that I had planned them to, and I was very frustrated and angry. And then I began to second-guess myself. Well, maybe I should have done this, and maybe I if only would have done this. See, but that's not what love is. Love is something in which you are accepted just the way that you are. But yet we don't seem to be happy with that. Because it seems such a simple concept, but yet it is so hard to do. Because we need to demonstrate that love. Because when we have that shield of love around us, when those different viruses attack us, it doesn't mean that we're not affected. But we just don't get taken out by those viruses. We just don't get taken down. I think a lot of times people think if I love a certain way that I will not be affected by the circumstances of my life. That is not true. You will be affected by the circumstances that are around you in your life and in my life. But how we respond is what's important. How you take the shield of love that God has given you and respond is what's important. And I think a clue to this is when we look at the concept of light and darkness, that when we bring things out into the light and see them for the way they truly are, it gives us a different perspective. But we can't see things in the light unless we're trying to accomplish the principle of love in our lives, the spiritual love that transcends all of our human understanding. The spiritual love that gives us that peace that we can't explain to others. And when we are practicing that love, we truly do draw those things that are in darkness into the light. And we are able to see them for what they truly are and what they truly represent. And I think about the attitudes that people have that I come in contact with. And I wonder sometimes what would happen if their attitudes were truly brought into the light for others to see what would happen. And I think when we think about that, and we, we expose those things, those ideas that are contradictory to what we believe in, are contradictory as being followers of Jesus Christ. If we bring those things into the light, what would be shown? What would they see? What would the evidence demonstrate? Because a lot of times we can't see an object fully, even when it's in partial darkness, until it's brought into the light. And the only way that we can see things truly in the light is to have that truth that represents our lives. And we've talked about this before in the past couple of weeks, about what that truth is. The truth of who we are and what we are as followers of Jesus Christ is demonstrated in our love. And I know that there are things out there that love is difficult to do. I know that there is what they call tough love. And sometimes we need to exercise that tough love. Sometimes we need to say no not because we don't hate a person, but because we love the person. A lot of times it's more difficult for me to say no than it is to say yes. And so God reminds us that as we look at practicing the love that represents who we are, that many times it is saying no. It is saying no to those things in our lives that contradict the principle of love in our lives. It is saying no to those relationships that take us away from the light and pulls us into the darkness. And I don't know what that means for you, but I know conceptually what that means for me. I know that when I come across certain attitudes, when I listen to certain things, when I see certain things, when I demonstrate certain types of behavior, I know that I am either in the darkness or I'm headed down the path to the darkness. And God says, no, don't go there. I want your life to be a fulfilling life. I want your life to reflect a reality of what you believe in. The question to us is, what is our eternal orientation about life? What do we look to? What do we understand when we look at the reality of our lives? Is it is it based on the eternal representation of what we represent as followers of Jesus Christ that you and I have a spiritual life that will go on and reign into eternity? Or is it something that is only temporary? Because if your life is only a temporary internal orientation, you're not going to demonstrate the love of God, the love of Christ. You're not going to fulfill the law to love your neighbor as yourself. Because that is your orientation, you're going to do what? You're going to do everything that represents you. Because it's all going to be about me. Lynn and I were flying the other day, and a gentleman got on in front of us and... He was talking very loud about all of his successes that he had been having in his life. And he happened to be in a certain profession. And he was talking about how he was selling certain things that represented his profession. And he was bragging to passengers and to people he was talking on the cell phone on the airplane. So you know everyone else is hearing how much money he was getting for this item that was auctioned and all this kind of stuff and who bought it. And he was pretty puffed up about himself. I just looked at Lynn and I said, that's truly representing the vanity of what a person is. The vanity that is the external part of who we are, but it's not really who we are. In fact, we call it the me monster. You ever come across somebody who's the me monster? It's just all about me. Everything they say and do is all about me. And I thought about the gentleman that was sitting in front of us and the entire way that we flew, he was talking. And he was just sitting right ahead of us. I mean I wanted to practice not love. But I wanted to go across and tell him to shut up, would you I'm trying to read here, you know? But within our own lives I think we examine ourselves and we make that orientation about who we are. Is it about that selfless service that we should have to others Or is it about ourselves? Is it the monster that represents the love that Christ wants us to show to each other? Or is it the monster that's all about me? Most of us here are veterans, or you're affiliated with somebody who's a veteran. We know what selfless service means and what it represents. Some of us have been in war. I have been in war. I suffer from the effects of being in war. And so some of us understand what that selflessness means. I know that my family also understands what that selflessness means because they too have had to bear the burden of that selfless service. So we know conceptually what it is. We know what it takes And God tells us that we need to do it every day. We need to show and to demonstrate what our future is in terms of our orientation to Christ. We need to demonstrate within our own lives the orientation that we have spiritually about what the reality is of our lives. That we are to walk in light. That we are to walk in the day that we are not to walk in the night we are not to walk in darkness because with christ's presence in our lives with the spirit of god in our lives we walk in the light but yet we make that choice and god allows us that freedom to make that choice So it's something that I cannot make you do. That's something that God cannot make you do. You have to do that for yourself. Because God wants us to put on that armor of light. He wants us to have that protective shield. He wants us to walk daily in a way in which we show that compassion to one another of love. He wants us to understand that because of what Christ did for us, that we walk in grace. And under His grace, you and I can demonstrate that love. And if we fail, which we will do, it's okay to fail. It's okay to fail because you are doing what you should do be doing. And when you're doing what you should be doing, when you're doing and exercising the right thing, you are going to fail. But you do not stop trying. You do not stop exercising the right thing. You do not stop exercising God's love to others. Because what are you doing when you fail? You're recognizing the fact that you were trying to demonstrate God's love and you blew it and you made a mistake. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. When you fail because you're trying to do something good in your life, that's a good thing. When you try to walk in the light and not in the darkness and you stumble and fall, that's a good thing. Because what's going to happen next time? You're going to learn from that experience. You're going to stand up. You're going to walk again. And this time you're going to walk a little farther until you trip and fall again. That's a good thing. Don't give up on that concept. Don't give up on that ideal. Practice it daily in your lives because God wants us to do that. and It it is a battle. It is a battle. And because it is a battle, there are times when we might lose. But we don't give up what we're fighting for. We don't give up what we represent. We don't give up on the presence of Christ in our lives because God has not given up on us. He has not given up on you. He has not given up on me. And that means that we should not give up on each other. It doesn't mean that we don't practice tough love. It doesn't mean at times that we don't say no because we know it's really in the best interest of that person to say no. But you know what? I think about the times when people have told me no about certain things. And I was upset I was angry, but when I look back at it, they were actually looking out for my welfare by telling me no. Think about those times when people who truly did care for you, who truly did love you, they said no to you not because they were trying to hurt you or punish you. They said no to you because they wanted to help you. And in the same way, we see those things in a different light. We're able to walk in the decency that God wants us to be with each other. We exercise that grace that has been provided for us. We see the reality of our lives and what its orientation needs to be. That which represents eternity. That which represents those things that are spiritual in our lives. Because if we think about those two things that orientate us, all of those other things in our lives will take the proper priority. They will have the proper balance. And it's based on what our orientation is. So I want to encourage you and I want to encourage me this morning to take that shot of love every day, if you have to take it every day, if you have to take it every hour of every day to keep that shield of love with you. Because you never know when those viruses of life are going to attack, because they're going to come out of nowhere. But the only way that you could be prepared for them is to have that love already taken care of, to have that protective shield around you. Because when those things do come, you're able to react to them and to respond to them in the correct way. That doesn't mean that you're always going to get it right. But what's important here is that you're fulfilling the law. You're doing so because you are making a choice freely to exercise that love that God has provided to you through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are seeing the reality of that light in our lives. The reality of who we are. The reality of being a follower of Jesus Christ. So let us do that. Let us follow the light. Let us walk in the day so that the things that we do can be seen to bring glory to God and to bring others to Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us take a few moments and prepare our hearts for communion. Let us pray. Our gracious God, you have reminded us to be walking in that reality of your light and your presence. Forgive us, God, when our orientation has been something different than focused on eternity, something different than focusing on the spiritual aspects of our lives. Forgive us for not understanding and extending that grace to ourselves and to others that you have provided to us. Lord, now we take care of communion as a public testimony of that love of the reality of the light that is in our lives. And God, we are so thankful that you give us this opportunity to take care of those things in our lives that we need to ask for forgiveness for so that we can continue to walk in the light and in the daytime. Thank you, God, for forgiving us of our sins and loving us just the way we are. In Christ's name, amen. Receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake together. In the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake together. Please turn with me in your red hymnals to number 375, and we'll sing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. 375. 375. Jesus God. We are so thankful that you have reminded us to show and to demonstrate that love to each other, because it is the right thing to do. And God, I would help ask that you would help us to do that, and then when we stumble and when we fall, that you would be there to pick us up and to give us the strength to continue to demonstrate your love. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding be with you now and forevermore. Amen.